Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 180. A piece of seemingly harmless advice can destroy many lives. As I say that phrase, what comes to your mind? When have you received advice and you have chosen to act upon it and it turned into an absolute disaster? Or maybe you were the giver of the advice and when the person took said advice, it did not turn out as anybody anticipated. We very possibly have examples of both of those situations. I mean, we've all lived life for a while. And even as a child, I was the one in our neighborhood who was more tempted to provide advice. I would try to listen. I remember sitting down with some of the neighbors and there was a conflict between two of them. I remember, I mean, I was young, young, and I was sitting down and I was listening to this person's side of the story. And I was in my, what, fifth or sixth grade wisdom, was trying to help them to see maybe how to look at it differently and how to handle the situation. Some of us are just naturally those that want to give advice. But what I have realized, especially over the last few years, is this is an issue for me. <laughs> like, I am saying this out for the world to hear. I catch myself. I haven't, one of my friends years ago, she said, we never have to ask you what you think. In other words, she knew I had an opinion for everything, and the majority of time I would say it. Doesn't mean that I don't have a filter, but when it comes to hearing a problem, it can be random strangers. And I hear them talking about a situation, and I so want to put in what they say my two cents worth, which really might not even be worth a penny, depending on the day and depending upon just how limited my knowledge is. We're going to read again in 2 Samuel 10. I'm going to read back over the verses we went over last week, which we only went over four verses. We talked about last week the fact that David, King David, had done exactly what was good and godly. He had received favor from a king. And when that king died, David wanted to do the right thing by his son. And so he sent messengers. And as we will hear, I'll just go ahead and read it, but we will hear the young king, the son, if he had been left to his own devices, I don't, I don't know what he would have decided. But he listened to the advice of the commanders around him. And we're going to find out today 
just how many lives and families were destroyed as a result of him listening and taking the wrong advice. And last week, I really talked to you about being wise and stepping back and getting perspective before you ever make decisions. I'll specifically look back at the notes from that time. I ask you to think logically, to research thoroughly, and to pray fervently. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, really pray fervently should be number one. But the king that we're talking about probably was not a follower of God, the Lord our God. And so even if he had just thought logically and researched thoroughly, he could have avoided this entire disaster that he walks right into. David was not out to get him. David was not sending spies. David was trying to do the good deed. And because King Hanan listened to the advice of the wrong people, he walked himself and his entire kingdom into a disaster. Let's go back to the verses from last week, and then we will go on to see the rest of the story. Paul Harvey would be proud. So 2 Samuel 10, read to you from the New Living Translation. You can read out of whatever version you would like to and, and just compare, and let's think through this. Some time after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan became king. David said, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanan just as his father Nahash was always loyal to me. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanan after his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanan, their master, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No, David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. So Hanan sees David's ambassador shaved off half of each man's beard cut off their robes at the buttocks and sent them back to David in shame. Say what? Like, really? David is doing a good deed. David is a powerhouse at this point. David as king of Israel. God has blessed him. Like, he's just rocking and rolling and defeated anybody and everybody. And it's just piling up the loot. Like he's got all the good stuff and he just wants to share with this young man. But instead of Hanan stepping back and thinking logically, you know, thinking, wait a minute, David's always been good. David's always been good. Maybe I should like do my research and maybe I should send messengers to find out like what he's up to. Or maybe I could really quiz the messengers that are here. But instead of thinking logically, instead of researching thoroughly, and instead of praying fervently, because I don't know that he could have done that because I don't think he knew the Lord, our God. Instead, he did this knee-jerk reaction and took the advice of these commanders who were flat wrong and he led to the death and destruction of so many people and so many families. And so last week we talked about the need to, not that we don't listen to advice, but we need to step back 
We do need to think logically. We need to research thoroughly. But more than anything, we need to pray fervently that God will give us the wisdom that we need to make the right decisions. And this week, we're going to roll through 5 through, I think it's 5 through 19. And we're going to look at just the danger of taking advice from the wrong people. Or maybe it might be from the right people, but they're giving the wrong advice. And how it can destroy our life and the lives of so many. And the dangers of being the one who gives that advice. Because even though Hanan was the one to make the final decision, his advisors were complicit complicit in the disaster that occurred. I mean, listen to them. Do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No, David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. And I truly don't think they were lying. I don't think they were lying to set Hanan up. I think that they truly believed that. And they were giving advice based upon what they thought was credible information. But it was flat wrong. And you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, many people are going to look to us for advice. But so often, so often, We jump to conclusions and we provide advice where we shouldn't be putting in our two cents worth, one cent worth, or anything else. We need to be stepping back and allowing the Lord to give them the wisdom that they need. Unless you understand a circumstance and situation thoroughly and the Lord has given you said advice, don't open your mouth except to pray. We're going to look through some verses in Proverbs 18, which are absolutely priceless. We're going to look through a little section in James 3. And then I'm going to do a special commercial for something that I signed up for this last week that I would really like to get you all involved in. So let's jump in. Verse 5, when David heard what had happened, he sent messengers to tell the men, stay at Jericho until your beards grow out and then come back. For they felt deep shame because of their appearance. Now, you got to remember the culture in which we we're talking about here. This was so important to them, but it's the whole idea that David's just got to be scratching his head going, what in the world is Hanan thinking? Like, why would he do this to my men? All I'm trying to do is do the right thing by him. Verse six, when the people of Ammon realized how seriously they had angered David, they sent and hired 20,000 Aramean foot soldiers from the lands of Beth Rehob and Zabah, 1,000 from the king of Mecca, and 12,000 from the land of Tob. So we're just going to stop here for just a moment, because as I've read this as we were preparing, I'm like, if I knew that I angered David, might it not be a good idea that instead of hiring mercenaries from other armies, that I might, like, send messengers and apologize I mean, I don't know what David would have done, but let's just let's just imagine that David sends these ambassadors. They're supposed to go and they're supposed to 
provides sympathies and heap blessings upon Hanan. And let's say that Hanan takes this wrong and Hanan shaves off half the men's beards and he embarrasses them and therefore he embarrasses David. What would have happened if he would have stepped back and went, you know, David is really angry and he might be angry because I misjudged him. I should try to make amends. I should try to remedy this situation. But instead of wanting to have a conversation and wanting to do the right thing, he hires 20,000, 21,000, 22. Like there were up to 32,000, at least 33,000 soldiers. He's loading up his team here to fight in battle against David. A battle that David didn't want. A battle that should never have been. Look at how many lives. We're going to see how many lives like died. Like how many people died later on. But look how many lives that were totally uprooted. As those foot soldiers came, they left their wives and their children behind. All sorts of things could have happened. Like this is just nuts. And it's because of the poor advice given to Hanan by people who didn't know what they were talking about and Hanan believing it and acting upon it. Verse 7, when David heard about this, he sent Joab and all his warriors to fight them. It's not surprising. Like, he's done the right thing. And then Hanan has embarrassed his men. And then he finds out they're loading up their army to fight me. David probably wasn't in the mood at the moment to go, okay, I'm going to go the extra mile and I'm going to try to send somebody over there to talk some sense into him. No, if he's going to fight me, I'm going to take him out. That's what happened. Verse 8, the Ammonite troops came out and drew up their battle lines at the entrance of the city gate while the Arameans from Zobah and Rehob and the men from Tob and Maka, or Maka, I'm not sure which it is, Position themselves to fight in the open fields. Verse 9, when Joab, so Joab is the commander of David's army. When Joab saw that he would have to fight on both the front and the rear, he chose some of Israel's elite troops and placed them under his personal command to fight the Arameans in the fields. He left the rest of the army under the command of his brother Abishai, who was to attack the Ammonites. If the Arameans are too strong for me, then come over and help me, Joab told his brother. And if the Ammonites are too strong for you, I will come and help you. We might spend another lesson just on this interaction between the two of them, or we might not. Not sure. Stay tuned. Either next week is David and Bathsheba, or it's about the relationship between Joab and Abishai and how they helped each other. Anyway, verse 12. Be courageous. Let us fight, fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. May the Lord's will be done. Verse 13, when Joab and his troops attacked, the Arameans began to run away. And when the Ammonites saw the Arameans running, they ran from Abishai and retreated into the city. After the battle was over, Joab returned to Jerusalem. Verse 15, the Arameans now realized that they were no match for Israel. Ah, really? So when they regrouped, they were joined by additional Aramean troops summoned by Hadadezer from the other side of the Euphrates River. These troops arrived at Helam under the command of Shobach, the commander of Hadadezer's forces. 
Verse 17, when David heard what was happening, he mobilized all Israel, crossed the Jordan River, and led the army to Helam. The Arameans positioned themselves in battle formation and fought against David. Verse 18, our focal verse, and it is a sad focal verse. But again, the Arameans fled from the Israelites. This time, David's forces killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 foot soldiers. Like, did you hear me clearly? How many people lost their lives because of a misunderstanding and faulty advice? At least 40,000, including Shobach, the commander of their army. When all the kings allied with Hadadezer saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they surrendered to Israel and became their subjects. And after that, the Arameans were afraid to help the Ammonites. Really? Like, this is one of the craziest stories in all of the Bible, in my opinion. It's one that stuck with me all these years. When I knew that I was getting ready to come upon it, I'm like, it is one of the most out-of-control situations. What was fact? David felt an allegiance to King Nahash of the Ammonites. We don't know exactly why, but for whatever reason, he felt an allegiance. He had seen loyalty from Nahash, and he wanted to express condolences to, Han to Nahash's son, Hanan, after his father's death. He sent ambassadors. And when the ambassadors get there, the Ammonite commanders, not thinking, not praying, not anything else, just opening their big mouths, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No, David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. What it reminds me of is the Garden of Eden. What did Satan, through the serpent, ask Eve? Did God really say? Like the placing of doubt. And like we have got to be wise. We do not know the destruction that can occur as a result of one wrong deed. And in this case, one bit of faulty advice led to the death of over 40,000 souls. Sorry about that. The, the radio went off in, in, in the midst of that. But like, absolutely... We've just got such a disaster here because of the faulty advice of the Ammonite commanders and Hanan listening to them and acting upon the doubt that they put instead of stepping back, thinking logically, researching thoroughly, and praying fervently. And so one of the passages I want to mention is James 3, 2 through 6, talking about just the danger of the tongue, because that's what we've got here. We've got the faulty advice that has been given by these 
men, these commanders, these people in a position of authority in the Ammonite government. But it can happen with us. It can happen when you're sitting around the water cooler talking with a coworker, And they say, I think my husband's cheating on me. And you respond, yeah, I bet he is. <laughs> like, we don't think. We don't think before we unleash what we think. And it may not even be what we think. We don't, like, we may not have an opinion at all, but we'll just chime in. And we can set about a disaster of proportions as epidemic as this one. James 3, 2 through 6. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and can also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Isn't it true? And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting our, your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I mean, how often do you think about the fact that your tongue, and it can also be your texting, it's not just your tongue. So because this was written at a time where that's how they communicated, and that's how this faulty advice was communicated by the Ammonite commanders. But you and I live in a generation where a whole lot of our talking is done with our thumbs or with our typing. I mean, we don't have to speak out loud. We can speak the same thing with our thumbs. Sometimes we can speak it with our body language. That whole idea of it can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. There is zero doubt in my mind that the advice given by those Ammonite commanders was from the pits of hell. You and I, though, each of us who have the spirit of the living God inside of us, we should be discerning. And we, we need to be wise. We need to be wise in our own decisions and not take advice from anyone and just run with it. But we also need to be very, very, very careful when we give an opinion on the life situations of another. So Proverbs 18, I didn't realize just how much incredible wisdom it has. So I'm just picking out a few verses that may or may not stomp on your toes as it has on mine. Proverbs 18, 2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Did anybody feel their toes getting squished? Besides me, that verse really hit me. 
when I read it just a little while ago, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. And I think about my tendency to open up mouth thinking that I know what's going on. I need to be so much more restrained with any opinion that I give. Proverbs 18.4, wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. 18.6-7, fool's words get them into constant quarrels. They are asking for a beating. The mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Can I get an amen? Proverbs 18, 17. The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. And that's where that's the reason I was in chapter 18 of Proverbs was for finding that verse. The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. If Hanan would have just stepped back and gotten some perspective from others and not just listen to what these commanders said. Like, you could have saved the lives of so many. How many times, though, do you hear one person's side of a story and you take it as the gospel truth? One of my favorite examples in TV history are those sitcoms where you, let's say it's a 30-minute show, And so they started out, and you can tell that there's been this conflict that's happened. And so they decide to give you three perspectives. They give you the perspective from character A and how they see it. And in it, the other person was wrong in every way, and they were right in every way. Then number B, and then B. In that one, B is right in every way, and A is wrong. Or, yeah, B is right in every way, and A is wrong in every way. And then we've got C. It's what really happened. And it's, it's always been such the good thing for me in my mind because that's how life is. Because in my best moments, I know that I do not have a clear perspective on life, not even my own life. I do not have a bird's eye view. I do not know everything that's going on, and I surely don't know everything God's doing. But we have a tendency to catch a snippet and to add in what we think the person should do. In Proverbs 18, 20 through 21, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Does that hit anybody, anywhere, anyhow? I would bet it does. You can tell by the enthusiasm in my voice that I am passionate about today's topic. I'm passionate about a lot of topics, but I'm passionate about this one because I see it in my own life. I see the tendencies in my own life to put in my opinion where number one, it hasn't been asked for. And number two, it's not needed. May God teach me restraint. May God teach you restraint. May we go to him when we have received advice. May we go to God and ask for his perspective on the situation. But may we also, when we are asked for our opinion, which does happen, 
may we go to the one who has all wisdom and ask him to pour through us the truth and not our lopsided perspective. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our weekly assignment feature. I want you to answer this question. If you were asked to share the best advice you've ever received, how would you respond? And I would love for you to put this in our Facebook group, Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus, or send it to me at encouragingothersinlovingjesus at gmail.com. Would love to see you share that advice with others. We also have our Instagram page, Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I know it's creative there, but give us the best piece of advice that you have ever received. And I told you at the beginning, I really wanted to share something with you that I came upon this week that let's call it some good advice because it is. So the Tim Tebow Foundation, you may have heard of, obviously you should have heard of Tim Tebow at this point, but Tim Tebow has his foundation and God has used it in amazing ways, especially with people with special needs. But Tim Tebow and his wife, Demi Lee Tebow, um, they are very passionate about this plague that is across the world, the plague of human trafficking. And that as part of the foundation, they've given ways for you and I to become involved. One way is to be a prayer warrior when it comes to human trafficking. And so in the show notes, I have placed a link down there for you to go and sign up just to join the prayer team. Let me take back the word just, not just to join the prayer team, because that is where the battle of human trafficking will be won. It will be at the foot of the cross with us begging for God to release the captives and to prosecute those those who have chosen the evil way. But you can also be an advocate, and there are ways through that website to do that. You can be front lines. You can be a part of the fight. And so I encourage you to go down below into the show notes and look at that link. Click on it. Check it out. And again, don't just take my advice. Go in there and think logically, research thoroughly, pray fervently for how God would have you to intervene on behalf of those who have been labor trafficked, sex trafficked. People across the world are not treated as human beings. They are treated as objects for the pleasures and the power of others. May the Lord set us loose to be an army of prayer warriors and as advocates to rescue those who are trapped in human trafficking. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, it is free to share this podcast with anyone, anyhow, In any country, as far as I know, you can share this internationally. You can share it on your Instagram page, your Twitter, whatever it may be. If it's an individual that you want to share it with, 
please take advantage of the opportunity. There are free resources and we have opportunities to get God's word into the hands and hearts of others. As I sit here right now, I just thank God. I thank God that we can learn from the mistakes of others. We don't have to be Hanan and take the faulty advice. But we also do not have to be the ones in any way, shape, or form who give faulty advice. The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. We need to be wise. We need to be wise with our words, whether it via be via how I'm speaking at the moment, or it's via your thumbs in a text message, or it's on your social media feed. Be wise. Be godly. Represent Christ and point others to Christ. And as we end each and every week, remember it's always a trust and obey kind of day.